think of the audience first. What is their starting point? What do they understand already? And how do I make it so that what I need to relay to them that's new is given to them in a way that they can digest it? I'm David Oti, and this is The Power of Story and Science, a mix of content and conversations on how to bring your science to life through powerful presentations. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Brian Rutberg, an expert in interpreting technical topics for non-technical audiences. How do you relate to your audience and their emotional drivers? As a speechwriter, speaker, and coach, Brian has gained some keen insights into how and why you do that. Here's a hint. Stories light up more of the brain than facts do. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Power of Story and Science. I'm your host, David Odie, and on this program we have a mix of content and conversations, particularly about how you, as a technical expert, can become more of a thought leader by sharing the story of your work. So I love to have conversations on this program with thought leaders, scientists, professional communicators, and today we fall into that last category. I am so looking forward to this conversation that I'm going to have with communications and storytelling guru Brian Rutberg. Brian, do you want to say a quick hello? Good day, all. Very nice to be here with David. Uh, thanks so much, David, for having me on. Well, thank you for being here. Ever since we met at a conference back in the summer, I've been wanting to get you on the program because we had such a fascinating conversation. Was that over breakfast, I think? Breakfast or lunch, one of those? Breakfast or lunch. I think <laughs> I think it was probably breakfast, and it, it must have been breakfast because neither one of us were awake enough to remember. Probably needed <laughs> Excellent more coffee point. or something. Excellent point. I just remember we sat down next to each other, and, and the conversation flowed from there. And you I put a was... couple of professional speakers together, and what does anybody expect <laughs> to right. have? <laughs> People are going to talk, right? Uh, well, I want you. I'm going to let you do the talking. Then tell me a bit about how we got here. I'd like to. I'd like for my audience to understand a bit of your backstory and that intersection of technology and communication that you're such in such a, a great place for. Yeah, I, way back when I was still in college, I worked for a company that was highly technical in what it did, but the business benefits were, of course, what sold it. Uh, early users of mini computers. And while I was there, the IBM PC was released. So this is the middle, the early part of the 1980s. And I was the one in the office, a sales and marketing guy from the start, a words and language guy, who figured out I can make these little beasts work for us. And I started writing little programs, not too technical, but things to do things like mail merges and stuff like that, and suddenly became the office guru. And here, all these years later, it's still the case that one of my professional gifts is I can take a technical story, a technical capability, and tell a business person how it's going to help them. What's in it for them? And that had all sorts of expressions during the course of a 20-year corporate career and then the last 11 years where I've been working with companies to help them tell their stories, 
often technology companies, but I've also worked with law firms who need to explain to non-lawyers what the law is all about and what's in it for them. So I, I've always been turned on by words and language and the ability to talk to a business person about how something we generally find hard to understand can help them. It's, it, it's just so much fun for me. Oh, that does sound like fun. Now, now you mentioned mail merge. So you wrote a program that would do that. I, Microsoft wrote a program right, that would Microsoft. do that. Okay. I figured out how to use it. Oh, you right? figured out how to use it. Okay. All and, right. and it may or may not have been Microsoft. I remember Lotus 1, 2, 3. Yeah. This is where we can keep our data. Remember uh, WordPerfect. Yes, this was, I do. You know, Microsoft yeah. was doing DOS, but... I just figured out how to get all the pieces to work together. I see. Okay. So you're not the person we should be cursing every time we're trying to get a mail list to merge again. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it sounds like this is where we have such a, a shared interest is uh, it, it took me longer probably to discover it than it sounds like it took you. But early in my career in broadcast engineering, I thought the most interesting problems were the ones you solved by connecting boxes and wires. You know, I, mm -hmm. I thought the interesting stuff was the technology. And with maturity and perspective, I came to understand that the most interesting problems are the ones you solve by connecting people and understanding how the technology, not, I mean, yeah, some people need to know how the technology works. But what's really needed is for people to understand how the technology influences the way the people work. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like you tapped into that sooner than I did. And possibly, you know, we, we both got to the, the right place. And let's be clear, people like you and me who focus on how to communicate the business value of a technology solution, we'd be nothing if the technologists weren't turned on by how to get the boxes connected and all of that. Later in my career, the last stop I had on my corporate life, I was at Microsoft, and a lot of the work that I did was working with product folks, developers and product marketers, product managers, folks who were kind of deeper on the, well, what do we need to build and how is it going to get built side mm -hmm. to help them talk about their solutions and capabilities and the outcomes they could drive with business people. The group I was leading was responsible for bringing in Chief executive officers, chief financial officers, chief operating officers, chief marketing officers. If you come in and give a technical presentation about all the cool stuff that goes on behind the screen to those folks, they're just going to turn out, tune out. Yeah. Once absolutely. you start talking about how you help someone improve their supply chain operations or close the books faster each quarter yeah. or get more productivity out of the time you spend doing whatever now you've got a story that ties into the key things that business leaders want to hear about is this going to help our top line or increase our market share is this going to help us save costs and improve our bottom line is this going to help us get closer with our customers is this going to help us build better relationships with our people and keep them longer retention issues those four things seem to unite every conversation that's meaningful with a business leader. And technical people, I love helping them figure out how do I translate what I do into one of those outcomes that business people are ready to get excited about, pay for, mm -hmm. and invest time and energy in as well. 
Mm-hmm. Right? What, what are they willing to pay for? Because they don't pay for the, the technology. They don't pay for the lines of code. They pay for what right. it will do for them. Pay for the outcome. How does this help me do my operations better? How does this help me help my customers achieve their objectives and their mission? How does it make me more invaluable to the people I serve? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, there's an interesting line in your resume that I want to ask you about, because you're talking about helping people communicate the value of their technology to the end users. Um, I've had uh, people on this program who are professional communicators, in some cases speech coaches. I think you're the first person I've had on the show who lists executive speech writer as one of the things that you've done. So tell me a little bit about that. I was an English literature major in college and uh, okay. avid and huge reader throughout my youth and to this day. And there's something about the way we get past the plain language of business, which is enough to turn me on anyway when I'm helping technical people tell their story. But going past the plain language of business to inspiring, motivational, inspirational, and educational messages, I found, again, at Microsoft, when I was leading a team, building partnerships with key technology integrators, that helping the executive I was working under prepare his and then her later remarks for partner audiences. I was naturally part of the team putting together their remarks at things like partner conferences and at partner advisory councils. The art form, if you will, the craft of building a narrative arc Mm -hmm. of dropping a couple of hints at a later story in the front of the speech and then paying it off with the punchline or the callback later in the speech and giving people the ability, people who may be good at speaking and delivering a business presentation, giving them the ability to really hold an audience in the palm of their hands because of the way that they tell a story, spread it out, go on little digressions, bring people back home. I, I, I just love that. And I had the opportunity both informally while in that partner role and mm-hmm. then later in my last corporate job as the actual speechwriter and executive communications guy for the woman running Microsoft's global consulting and global customer support operations. It's it's just one of those things that I'm good at, and so I can get people to pay me for it. <laughs> but mostly, it just intellectually turns me on watching a good speech, well delivered, and being able to pick apart the 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 art of it, not just the mis- message of it. Yeah, I just think that's cool, and I am a, a proud member. I'll show you my water bottle. I, if that can be seen, the, the Professional Speechwriters Association. Professional Speechwriters Association. That okay. has landed me more than one gig. As people say, what on earth? They see it on my website. What on earth is the professional speechwriter? Nobody thinks that speechwriters would have a connection, but talking with other people who love to do the wordplay and the analogies and the stories and the stories that have little stories inside of stories. It's a it's a wonderful group of folks. It's a it's a neat way for the mind to work. I think for the mind to work, I like that expression because you know so many of 
the people in my intended audience, I imagine they're in my audience, I have so little <laughs> information about my actual audience, but you know, I'm trying to reach uh, technical experts, people who give technical presentations who are interested in connecting with their audiences so their information can actually go somewhere, find a home, because uh, regular listeners will have heard me say your information goes nowhere if you don't meet the needs of your audience. And so to hear someone like you talking about how to use story, use wordsmithing, use the narrative arc, narrative structure uh, to bring home the benefits of technical information. That's really exciting to me. Where would, um, I mean, we're not going to necessarily turn the scientists and engineers and, and other professionals who are in my audience into speechwriters overnight. No. Um, but what, what, is, what is one tip you would give someone who's preparing a technical presentation and wants it to be, wants it to find a home in the listeners' minds and be remembered? You've already given, David, the most important one. So think of the audience first. Okay. What is their, what is the audience's starting point? What do they understand already? And how do I make it so that what I need to relay to them that's new is given to them in a way that they can digest it. One of my favorite engagements over the last several years is the fundraising department of a major medical nonprofit here in the Seattle area hired me and a couple of other presentation and speech coaches to work with cancer researchers to help them tell the stories of lives saved and what it meant for the mom who could make it to a kid's college graduation, the dad who lived to walk a daughter down the aisle, the couple that got to celebrate another anniversary because of the work the researchers were doing. So thinking about the audience, these people are donors. How are they going to relate to this information? Can they relate to the scientific talk or do I need to turn the science into some sort of a story? But the the additional bit that I'd add to that, since you get all the credit for that one, is... <laughs> is Thank you. Yeah, okay. Hey, no, I mean, <laughs> think about your audience is, you know, just yeah. absolutely primo. And I often enjoy a certain amount of, I'll call it wordplay, but anything that a technical person can do to summarize... Yeah, three bullet points, for example, the benefits that they're talking about. And I find it's great for not just understanding in the moment, but for memory purposes to give your audience some sort of a mnemonic device, either something that yes. rhymes uh -huh. or right. something that the, the first four, le the letters of the four words spell out something that you can make relevant to the conversation. Anytime that a technical technical presenter can find a way to humanize the information and make it easily memorable with some sort of a memory device that's that's great because it achieves one of the major goals that folks kind of leave on the table if it's great to be understood in the moment but what's someone going to really take away and then the third thing that i look for when i'm working with a presenter is understanding memorable and actionable. Don't forget actionable. you have to have some sort of a call to action. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit, a call to action. 
Um, let's say a, a scientist is presenting um, information about the research that he or she has been doing. Um, what would be a typical appropriate call to action if they're giving that information to, well, let's see, I guess we have to define our audience, don't we? I mean, if it's a non-scientific audience. In the context, right? In the context, right. Maybe the call to action is to fund further research. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the call to action is to collaborate with me on your research or something like that. You've got it. In the case of the cancer researchers, of course, it was your reminding people that their generous donations went a long way towards making these things happen. So I hope the the payoff line could be and i hope that now that you've heard my story you'll spend some time with my colleague talking about how your gift can be directed to right uh, yes all okay, now so the action... are standing by yeah. vote for me um, or <laughs> yeah. if it's an internal thing it's keep paying attention because you, we're going to give you further updates which is real simple there's no true action other than stay intellectually engaged okay but as you were suggesting there's also we need funding we need mm -hmm. people uh we need resources i need your help moving a big boulder out of the way and getting someone else to work with me inevitably in a business context there is something you want the listener to do and if it's not write a check it might be have a conversation with as you say my colleague here absolutely uh, who can help you see how your contribution can make a difference you know i often uh, advise speakers to make sure that they ask the question what do i want my listeners to think do or feel differently when i'm done exactly and so much of the time that last verb feel is overlooked when you're talking about a technical presentation but I was I was coaching a, a cancer researcher who was trying to get his funding renewed. And ultimately, the decision that he and I came to as we worked through his presentation was he needed a lot less what and more why. Mm -hmm. Because these representatives of that state funding agency needed to feel in their gut, this is the right place for this money to go. Because it could go somewhere else. There's only a finite amount of it. Right. So you want people to feel good about the support they're are perhaps already giving. And that's, that's another outcome that we should be looking for, even in a technical presentation. You want people to feel confident that they can grasp your subject, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. The, the emotional exactly. side of that. The emotional side of that is something I'm sure you explored as a speechwriter. As a, as a speechwriter, as a presentation coach, as a speaker myself, I mean, it, it's well, it is business after a fashion. It's certainly about persuasion. Uh, working with nonprofits, whether it's the cancer researchers that I worked with, or when I was a board member and then a board chair for the synagogue my family worships at, I mean, the the old line in the fundraising business is, you know, tears are worth an extra 10K. So if, <laughs> I like that. And, tears you know, are worth you, an you extra 10K. You can adjust up or down based on yeah. the, the budget of the business and the <laughs> money that they tend to see come through. But if you can move someone, whether it's business context of 
hope if we go out and we do what I'm suggesting, we can be tops in the market, we can get more market share. Fear if we don't respond to if this threat, dire things are going to happen. Right. Right. I mean, those are the two big ones. Yeah, you know, hope, fear, but there's any number in between of getting folks to have a sense of what I'm going to do, what I am being asked to do will make a difference. That's going to come, yes, out of understanding the facts, but really out of how do I feel and how do I want to feel once I've taken the action that's being requested. So when you talk about you know a, a, a father who gets to walk his daughter down the aisle or uh, someone who gets to see their, their child graduate or see another anniversary, um, that's tugging at the heartstrings there. Very intentionally. Yeah. It, and why? Because it works. Because we're all human and it, it, it taps into an essential humanity. And some of us are built around words. Some of us are built around problem solving. Some of us are built around math problems. We're, all of our brains work differently. It's why things like Predictive Index and Myers-Briggs and StrengthsFinder, you keep making money year after year. We're all a little bit different. But at the heart, our friend Maslow and Maslow's hierarchy of needs tells us we all really want many of the same things. Safety, security, shelter, uh, some form of plenty or at least enough. Mm -hmm. How do you get feel Connection. people to feel? Um, exactly. How do you get people to feel emotionally comfortable making an intellectual decision? Emotionally comfortable making an intellectual decision. I really like the way you put that. That's that's quite interesting because I, I've I've taught that at the heart of every every decision, it's got to be emotional. Every every car salesman knows you'll make an emotional decision to buy a car, and then you will justify it with reason. And, Precisely. And I believe that's true of, of really every decision. My friend uh, Brad Cochran, who would be a great guest for you because he's, he's deep into storytelling, uh, he has a demonstration that he does in his keynote speeches, which I've had the privilege to you know, help him look at a few of those and work things through. It's... Yeah a story will light up many different parts of the listener's brain. Yeah. Whereas a fact will get far fewer parts of the brain working. You know mm -hmm. this. I yeah. mean, everybody who speaks for a living and everybody who coaches speakers knows these, these simple right. facts. But let's bring ourselves back to the, the core of what we know and what we teach. It's true stories and emotion drive the day and then we seek validation something has to feel right before someone will be open to the idea of finding the fact-based justification for getting it done something it's got to pass the smell right. test or the gut test <laughs> the smell test or the gut test and you know i i read about um people who study well not to get too far afield here um political polarization in our society and so much of the way people make decisions on issues is based on who out there do I feel an identification with and how are they voting 
It's, it's, you know, so much about identity politics these days. And that really, it comes back to the same thing, doesn't it? It's, it's who do I identify with at a gut level before yeah, the, we look at facts? I have trouble with the political side of things. And I've not had the opportunity, nor frankly, very much the inclination to work for political types. Um, I love the soaring rhetoric of the you know, convention speech or something like that. Uh, I'm turned on by great examples of political speech making from JFK to Martin Luther King to Barack Obama to Ronald Reagan. I mean, the, the masters of that craft are super. And it seems uniquely in the world of politics where we fall prey to people say, oh, politics and maybe snake oil sales, <laughs> where we fall prey to people who willfully offer disinformation and misinformation in order to sway an audience, tug on emotional strings without there being a fact-based case behind it. They can say there's facts. I guess if you look at, there's probably, there are definitely examples from the business world too, suddenly Enron Oh, is yeah. running through my head mm -hmm. and there's uh, uh theranos or something like that so there's examples it just seems to happen less often and certainly the businesses i've had the pleasure of working at you know, i was at hp which has a sterling reputation i was at mckinsey and company which is known worldwide as generally you know honest brokers looking out for the best of their clients and then at microsoft and then the clients that i choose to associate with and which I seek when I'm doing my marketing, it's folks where I can believe in the product or the service and create a fact-based case, something based in truth to create their story. So yeah, you, you can you can tug at heartstrings the wrong way too. And I, I don't want to be a practitioner of that. Right, right. You can't well let's bring this back to science and technology, engineering, uh, the, the, the technical presenters. Um, do you suppose that's where you sometimes get pushback from, uh, from people you're coaching when it comes to wanting them to connect emotionally with their audience and they want to stay very fact-based? I mean, do you ever have somebody say, no, you know, appealing to them emotionally is a manipulative. I'm just going to lay out the facts. I think that's a bit of a straw man, frankly. I, what okay. I do see it is more of the, well, I know the facts down to the fifth place past the decimal. And okay. Brian, the story you're offering to me, it hides some of the complexity. Uh, okay. And boy, I'm uncomfortable with that. It's not that I feel like I'm telling a lie. It's that I feel like I'm not giving the whole truth down the whole to truth. the fifth place path past the decimal. And that's where we get into, I've had fascinating conversations with researchers and technologists about what's the truth that the audience needs to hear and what is the purpose of the presentation versus the purpose of the next stage you're taking them to. If it's a, if the call to action is from someone who's giving a technical presentation, the call to action is, and now I want you to take the next step, say, in a sales process, which is a pretty common scenario that I find myself in. It's the, 
Of course, there's more complexity here that I could go into at this moment. I want to paint a big picture for you, and then we want to look at your particular situation. And the speakers, the technical speakers I have found are pretty open to that framing. Hey, I can't possibly give you all of the complexity. And once we get a chance to try this with your data or run a test with a business partner of ours or whatever it is, then we can get very specific about you. But big picture, I'm okay with just getting to the decimal point or maybe one place past it instead of down to the last detail. That's very well put. That's very well put that it's not really about leaving facts aside and using purely emotion. It's more about, you know, how far down do we need to drill to accomplish this purpose for this call to action for this audience? For a period of time when I was at Hewlett Packard, I was managing the relationship between HP and a big software company. And my role was talking with business decision makers about what the combination of HP's hardware, and in this case, Oracle's application software, could do together. I had a technical support engineer assigned to me. We were buddy system sellers, and we only half-jokingly referred to his job as keeping me from telling too many lies. (laughs) Because I would never do so intentionally, but the number of times that my pal Don would step in and say, now what Brian's trying to say is, because it's very easy for those of us who are not technical to focus on exclusively the storytelling, Mm -hmm. and our technical counterparts are the ones who can say, there's more complexity here. Now's not the time, but we'll get to that if you choose to take the next step with us. Does that hang Now's together? Not the time. Right. Yeah, that make that makes perfect sense. Gosh, I, I'm enjoying this conversation so much. I, I feel like we could just go on and on. Uh, and yet I do need to, to respect the need to draw the conversation to a close. Of so course. Let, we let's let sum up the, the, the takeaways for uh, a technical expert who may be watching or listening to this. Uh, know the level of complexity that your audience needs. So it really comes back to knowing your audience, right? Yes. The technical, know your audience, know the technical, know the level of technical complexity they're starting with and can understand from the jump. So you know where to start with your presentation right. and know how best you're going to get it across to them. Uh, we talked about finding mnemonic devices to aid memory. Right. And we talked about as the client for whom I wrote a speech and, a marketer talking with the Digital Analytics Association, there's that four that score that I mentioned earlier, four that score in the executive suite. Is this going to increase my sales or my my uh, piece of the pie? Is this going to help me draw more of what I sell down to the bottom line and increase profit by helping us get more efficient? Is it going to help with customer attraction and retention or is it going to help with employee retraction and retention? If you put to a, in, for an internal business presentation, if you put things through one of those four lenses, you're going to have the rapt attention of your business audience. And the last one, I guess, is the one you cited, which is get to the emotion. Yeah, get to the emotion. It doesn't mean you're leaving facts behind. It, yeah. it, it means you are telling a story. and People tend to understand a story. that a story necessarily simplifies some things, but it gets you pointed in the right direction. And it lights up so much more of the brain than citing facts. Right. 
Yes. Right? <laughs> David, this has been great. Thank oh, you. I've enjoyed what an it so enjoyable much. conversation. Well, thank you for taking the time to be here. Now, you mentioned to me that you have some resources that people can find um, yes. on your website. So do you want to tell us a little bit about where they can go? Yeah. By all means, please, uh, if you want to continue this conversation with me, either by by checking out the website or by actually getting in touch, you can find everything you need at 3C, the number 3, the letter C, comms.com. And when you're at the website, you'll find access to a couple of things that might interest you. If you're thinking about your skills as a business presenter, uh, business speaker, we have a free online self-assessment, 20 simple questions, score yourself one to five, and then you'll get some feedback. There's also, if your point, if your role is bringing in more sales and building customer relationships for your organization, you'll find a link to my ebook, Love and Profit, 10 Ways to Transform Customers into lustomers. We won't worry about exploding out that, that concept yet, <laughs> you can get it. Turning customers into lustomers. If customer engagement and building customer relationships is what you're all about and you're on the technical side, you'll find some good tips in there. You know, I might have to download that myself. <laughs> I hope you will. That sounds very interesting. There will interesting. be links in the show notes. So. Yes, I will. the links will definitely be right there in the show notes. Um, well, uh, Brian, thank you again for taking the time to be on this show. It's been a, such a delightful conversation. And, My absolute uh, pleasure. Every time we talk, I have a great time. <laughs> well, we'll have to do this more often. Um, yes. and, and for listeners who might like to follow up with me, David Odie, um, here's a way you can do that. Um, make a note of this URL, BreakthroughWithDavid.com. Breakthrough, that's all conventional spellings, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H, etc. BreakthroughWithDavid.com. That will give you an opportunity to grab some time on my calendar, for a conversation, which we can even turn into a free initial coaching uh, session, if you like. And uh, you can see the tools that I use and uh, become familiar with some of my techniques as well. So whether you want to follow up with Brian, whether you want to follow up with me, links will be in the show notes. And so I want to thank you once again for being part of the story and science community. This has been The Power of Story and Science. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, leave us a review, or so that you don't miss anything, subscribe at Podbean or wherever you like to get your podcasts. This program is a production of Speaking of Solutions, LLC. Theme music by Kevin Lufkin. I'm David Odie. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.